Full of Sound and Fury is a podcast for adults, by adults, containing adult language. Listener discretion is advised. The Pacific Northwest is going through its own heat wave right now, and uh, I cannot cool my studio without creating a bunch of white noise in the background. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I have half a cup of coffee and a tall glass of iced tea, and we'll see how long I can last. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> we got to move quick. <laughs> well, I just wanted to explain up front to the you and the audience if I'm pissier than usual. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason. <laughs> And that reason is climate change. <laughs> Indeed. But no, it's, it's supposed to be actually. This is the uh, the last day of the heat wave. We just. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. So we got that going for us. I've got no way to cool it. I've got a, got a bowl of ice here. <laughs> <laughs> got that as a tip that helps. Helps best much as a bowl of ice. It's just sitting here would, would help, I I found, though. Anyway, don't waste any time, as you said. Uh, this is Full of Sound and Fury. I'm Cyrus Morzati of Kirkland, Washington. Uh, also with us, more well done than medium rare, is Ariel Rodriguez of Austin, Texas. Hello. Well, Ariel, you're the guest. What do you want to talk about? Um, well, Marvel made a bunch of uh, announcements at STCC that were pretty exciting. Just to get the digs in quickly here, DC made two announcements, I believe, <laughs> total, and movie side of things. Counterpoint: one of those was actual Black Adam footage. I know, with the you know, how many years, decade in the in the in the, in the coming year? Literally years in the making. Yeah, <laughs> I believe there are several other podcast episodes, probably uh, where we've like speculated on how that's never going to happen, <laughs> or like you know, expressed deep pessimism, at least. <laughs> About 118 of them, actually. <laughs> but it's apparently real. Yeah. Comes out in October, which feels very, very soon. Time is a construct, though. Yeah. yeah. We could have two more variants between now and then. Who knows? Of Kang or the... Or the uh, <laughs> of COVID? Uh, I was thinking COVID, but yeah, Kank variants probably several more than that. <laughs> God, how sick are we going to be of Jonathan Majors by tw- by this time next year? <laughs> I don't know. I, I it's, something tells me like this dude is is going to make it fresh every time. He's gonna he's gonna have the chops to make us excited about each and every you know variation of this character, and he's going to bring something cool to it every time. That's that's. Uh, that's my gut feel anyway. Were you surprised at how much they announced at SDCC? Um, I don't know. I Honestly, I was on Twitter reading uh, from all the rumor mill people uh, for, for a number of weeks leading up to the show. And somebody had more than one person, but one person had, had repeated their analysis that something Kevin Feige said a number of years ago was they are not going to show up to SDCC to make announcements and not over deliver in some way. And that was the quote. I'd, I'm paraphrasing, but that the word "over deliver" was specifically used. And you know, so they he skip, lied. Well, uh, they they skip, can't lie. Yeah, I mean, he. Well, no, I'm saying he he was he was no he was he was right. Like they didn't show up in 2019 and 2020 and 2021, right? Like 
one of those was probably COVID just nuked the whole show. I don't remember when STCC, if they kept it virtual that, that first COVID year or, or if they, they, they dropped the whole, the whole thing entirely. I can't remember, but it had been a number of years and it seemed like, okay, if they're coming back, the, the, the conventional wisdom, I guess, amongst the rumor mill folks was they're going to, they're going to go big. They're going to announce a lot of stuff. So I was kind of already coming into it with the mindset of like, okay, Feige said they're not going to show up if they're not, if, unless they are going to over deliver. And so I think over deliver, they did. They're like, well, you want to see some plans how about three phases where we're going to complete an entire saga in the span of whatever it ends in 2025 and it started in 21. So three, four years, here you go. Lots of movies, lots of projects, lots of stuff confirmed that were rumored. I thought that was great. And what kind of forever trailer, you know, they played other trailers that are now online, you know, uh, you know, Ant-Man three and guardians three. Well, I think they over delivered. I was expecting to see it in September D 23. Ah, yeah, and that that was something I was worried about. I'm like, well, if they pop this now, what are they going to hold on for for T23? I, coming out of the end of the the announcements here at Comic Con, there's still a lot of gaps, right? There's still a lot of gaps. So, are they going to fill those gaps and go bananas on like more Disney Plus shows that, in particular, and also movies that were just you know that were not talked about at all? There's like a Armor Wars. There's a, there's Ironheart. There's like a ton more Disney Plus stuff. That would make sense, I guess, in a D23, more Disney-focused, you know, event. I almost wonder if they were budgeting, like, their Marvel Studios panel for D23, and they were like, we have more stuff than we have time allotted here. (laughs) So we're going to have to break this shit up. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I mean, I could use a break. Let the hype hype settle for everything that they've popped, and then go for round two to kind of take us into you know, the hype for Wakanda forever, right? It's just kind of like, I can see how you can want to try to vine swing from one hype fest to another between the movies and the shows and the announcements for the future stuff. I'm glad most of the reaction is still hype and excitement because film critics are just trying to dance as hard as they can on this virtual grave they've created for phase four. Yeah. Yeah. Which I find extremely disingenuous after years and years of bitching about how it's all cookie cutter. And then the second the studio gets experimental and has some hits and some misses with a, what I can only describe as glee, they've gone to work trying to discredit the studio. Yeah. Yeah. Being at the top is a, is a hard thing, right? Once, once you're, once you got the crown and you're at the top of your game, people are just sniping at you left and right. I think, I think some of, I think there's some of that, blended in with maybe some fatigue from some folks who are critics and view a lot of things in parallel. I don't know, but I think you're right, Cyrus. I think it's, uh, it's, it's a lot of the criticism is unfair, I would say, because yeah, they, they, they're taking risks, which you'd expect after phase three kind of capped off one saga that they would mess around for a little bit and see what they can do. After 11 years, how I would put that contextually. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it, it's just the bitchiness of it. I, I I do understand where it's coming from. What we're seeing in film is this is a transition of business model. Marvel Studios is just because they are by their nature only tent poles, as they as they used to say in Hollywood, has just kind of and they've they've done so well with their tent poles, they've just kind of become this target for it. Sure, it's not a great look, I guess. Is what I'm trying to get out there to like to call for more 
more creative and a whack, more, I guess, wackier for lack of a better term, experimentation. And then to be like, ha ha, you tried something new and it failed. Fuck you. A yeah. week later. I mean, I mean there's, and there, there's a spectrum, right? Like you could say like, Hey, they tried it. We respect them for doing this. It didn't work, you know, final grade C minus or something. I don't know. Like you, you could have a different tone and tenor to a review that maybe is not so positive for one of their releases that kind of acknowledges like, Hey, you did a good thing trying, but you didn't hit the mark, but thanks for trying. But I I haven't seen too many of those kinds of reviews and I get it, you know, social media and, 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 and clicks turning into, you know, ad views and stuff doesn't, you're not rewarded for those kind of, measured takes right it's no, hot takes or nothing. Runs on rage. <laughs> it's hot takes all the way down right yeah. but but that that's kind of what you'd you'd like to see from folks who are professionals at this is rewarding them for this stuff but like hey marvel you know if 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 the if you didn't think that they that they did a good job like hey you know to try to fix this for the next go around yeah there's just there's a lot of stuff the marvel's so popular there's so many different angles that people come at them for in terms of criticism and, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of crazy how, how, how we are <laughs> at this point in time. I just think back to 2008 It's like, wow, an Iron Man movie. This was great. I can't believe we have an Iron Man movie. And now it's like, people are mad at Eternals. <laughs> and I would have been like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Right. There, there are, are, there are two Guardians of the galaxy movies, right? It was like, <laughs> yeah. Still blows my mind. The the fact that we had a Moon Knight show that was somewhat critically acclaimed. If you had gone back in time and told me that, I I would have just said you're you're crazy, dude. <laughs> well, we haven't reviewed reviewed Moon Knight yet, so why, why don't we why don't we start there? I guess. Sure. It's, in some ways, it's the most Phase Four project they've done. I would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a new character all on their own. It's very much like Phase One. Like you don't know where this bolts up to the rest of the stuff but i did not know where they were going to go with it i have very limited knowledge of the character uh basically just that charlie houston, houston houston i hope i would hope well hopefully one of those is right and david finch run from gosh i guess 12 years ago now or so which was awesome uh i had a vague recollection that there were three personalities so that actually wasn't a surprise like i think they were hoping it was going to be i will say conchu kind of a tough hang <laughs> and to my, to my recollection of all the different versions of the of the character, I don't think he's ever actually been in it. Oh, the Jeff the Jeff Lemire run. He's that they 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 that oh, okay. more recent. That one's from 2019, 2020, something like that. Maybe maybe a little bit a year or two earlier than that. Uh, yeah, he's that. That's a direct pull. That the ah, okay. the the mental institute. Uh, stuff in whatever episode that was four and five all that's from the lemire run where it's like what is what is real and what is not it's that it lemire's run starts there in the mental institute and then goes yeah where where does it go i don't know what i watched <laughs> well it goes it goes towards uh i liked it yeah i well i i mean i've only read the first the first trade of lemire's run and a, a summary maybe of the second one but my understanding is like Conchu wants to take over Mark's body, like altogether. Like Conchu is just he's tired of having proxies for his his uh <laughs> stuff. And so he tortures Mark and kind of makes him unsure about what's real or not to try to kind of kind of compartmentalize all of his personalities into 
a box somewhere so that Khonshu can kind of just invade. And there's there's this concept of the other void, I think it's called, where the, the Egyptian gods live and kind of influence people, but they don't they can't be actually on Earth. And a, a lot of those concepts I think they they just pulled right from that run and just, you know, played with it to do the MCU thing. And Mr. Glass Shoes, is that is that also from this run or <laughs> That no, I don't know. I think that's uh, I don't know. I, I read I read Ethan Hawke came up with the glass shoes thing himself. I believe you. <laughs> it was uh, it was creepy. So you know, mission accomplished there. That that was a character's penance choice, right? Is that, that was that I, my read correct there? That that yeah, that was that was my read as well. All right, let me see. Let me see if I can suss out what happened to this thing. So he's he's got he's got split personalities, which he he eventually figures out. Yep. Then he, he his boss slash god has to go back in time <laughs> or change time. They have like this weird star dance thing they do. Oh yeah, yeah. And then, and then, the, yeah. <laughs> then he becomes a jar, as as one often does. So he has to go get that guy. Uh, all of which apparently this is an Alexander the Great's tomb. Yeah, who was a yeah? I guess. Uh, <laughs> Amit's one of Amit's original sure uh, avatars, yeah. So so he fails anyway after all this, and then we, they then they the gods come back as kaiju. Yes, of course. In Cairo, yeah, yeah. So okay, but only after he navigates afterlife, which is still more sand. Yep. Okay. Sure. Sounds about right. The time travel piece, I think, was more like uh, Kanshu can kind of like. Uh, do like what you can do in video editing. He can scrub. He can scrub through the skyline <laughs> and get the constellations. Except he's not supposed to, apparently. Except, yeah, he pisses off his friends, I guess, when they do that. Were they his friends or just uh, feel like a... <laughs> or, you know, his, yeah, his... I guess it's like the same thing as like going to, uh, going in front of the family TV set when you're like the, the kid, not the parent, and like just fast forward and rewinding wherever you want. It like pisses everybody else off that's sitting on the couch. Oh, that's interesting. I have like an office kind of feel where he was the IT guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> People tolerate his bullshit because they have to. <laughs> but he did have a bird skull for a head. And I, I don't, there's no, no, no proxy for that that I could find. <laughs> yeah. And that's in the, that's in the comics too. I don't know. I don't know uh, if that's also part of the mythology originally. I mean, I, I assume some aspect of it is, but like how much artistic license was taken. Well, I think that's an Egyptian god thing. Is that you have a person with a animal's head on it that shows yeah. up a lot within their uh, particular. But is it like full plague doctor style, like in most of the, the actual real world stuff? That feels or... like the artistic <laughs> choice. <laughs> <laughs> I, I gotta say, they uh, they took. I like what they did with Layla because in the comics, Layla is a different character. Guy was her name Marla or Marla, and like some, you know, it's like his white lady girlfriend. And there's like a villain, Scarlet Scarab, who's a different guy, and they kind of just spun all of those loose parts to make Layla not only like that she kind of didn't necessarily have a pedigree of like, oh, your your father was this guy had power, so naturally you're going to have powers or anything like that. It was kind of she had her own origin story, kind of threaded through the 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 show, and it's in her own kind of unique way. And I like that before she even did all that got her powers or whatever, they had that episode four. She was a big she, with the same boyfriend. 
<laughs> but she 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 was able to like fight off the uh the zombie jackals or whatever just kind of on her own as a as a human with like a flare and that's it and i just i don't know i, I like the way they kind of built her up she was she's tough and she kind of can handle her things on her own and then she got the powers i really really enjoyed that that arc for her even though she kind of came in a little late i would say in the in the story uh as, as someone who's like present and not just kind of like constantly asking like what are you doing who are you where, where are you going kind of thing yeah it's interesting that that you uh felt that way because i think she shows up in episode two she does but it's kind of like again like we don't get to know her very well she's just reacting to the situation i think it's not until like mid to late episode three out of six where you're really seeing her like like getting to know her uh, as a person and then you then you kind of see the development from there um so it, it took a little while but at the same time, I think they did a great job with uh, her story arc all the way through. No, I, I liked her as well. I, I think maybe why it felt that way was we, our protagonist was so weird. <laughs> sure. Yeah. He, he, you know, as someone who could take us through the story, he couldn't, which was kind of the point of him. Mark Spector yeah. slash Stephen Grant. Yeah. Yeah. So I just create some, some storytelling challenges there. Yeah. I, I was left wondering what the hell the whole point was at the end of it. But I did enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. And I think it adds a a different take on gods than we've seen with like Thor. And I, I, I don't know if you've seen it yet, but uh, I have a whole story about how I managed to watch Thor Love and Thunder. But uh, Love and Thunder expands gods in a different way than, than Moon Knight does. And I think it's nice to be able to see different takes on how gods influence different characters in, in the MCU. Um, I, I think this is a nice kind of uh, more mystical... It's it's kind of I feel like it's it's one foot in the Doctor Strange type of stuff and one foot in the Thor type of stuff and I like that blend. I think that is kind of unique and maybe Marvel can can do more in that type of space that they they haven't quite shown with Doctor Strange stories and they haven't quite shown with Thor stories. Yeah, and I think Phase Four probably actually is one of the things that's defined by is that um, you know because Thor and Loki they're essentially aliens. Yeah. At least whether they've been presented up until love, love and COVID. Yes. <laughs> but I'm, 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 I guess I'm excited that you got to go out and go see it. Yeah. I, 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 uh, I went by myself. It was nice to, I found, I found a way to, if I wait two or three weeks from a release date for a movie I want to see, and I, I wait till about an hour before the showing starts on a, in a, in a theater that's close to my home with assigned seats and see that there's only like one other person in the middle of the afternoon on a weekday, I can go masked up and stay masked the whole time and have almost nobody in the theater with me and actually watch a movie. It doesn't always work. Sometimes it's like, okay, it's full. I'm not going, but the risk is pretty low (laughs) and I I get to see something. (laughs) Yeah. So I got, I got lucky with Thor love and thunder. There was, there was one other person in the theater (laughs) very far away from me. (laughs) <laughs> and I was masked. <laughs> well, yeah, well, you had a plan too. That's good. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a you know, it's a lot of different things have to align. Uh, and I mean, sure, I could be more flippant about it, but then I get COVID. So, you know, the risks are what they are. So, I uh, try to minimize them while trying to trying to get out and, and enjoy something every now and then. And like I said, I got lucky. But it it that movie is uh, very much a, a comedy. So when you, if, if and when you do get to see it, one thing that I, I didn't realize until... Right, I, I sort of realized that while I was watching it, but it didn't 
it didn't help crystallize some of the the stylistic choices and the narrative choices that they made until I thought about it and read about it a little bit later is the story is told from Korg's perspective. It's Korg telling a story about Thor. So when you see it that way, I think things click a little bit more. It's different than Ragnarok, I guess I should say, in terms of its tone. Um, and again, that's fine. Back on the topic of Phase 4, they should try to do this kind of stuff with Thor. Why not? No. Well, the internet would disagree with you. I, I, clearly they have. <laughs> the, the nerd knives have come for Taika Waititi. Uh, a year faster than I thought they would. We're getting more efficient tearing down our pop culture heroes, evidently. I'm so glad to see that happening. You know, one thing I found with uh, with Doctor Strange uh, in the Multiverse of Madness and this Thor movie, I feel like when I when I come out of the theater, I feel like I've read a self-contained trade paperback comic story that, yeah, it has some MCU connections and you can always see those and whatever. But for the most part, it feels like Okay, it's not an origin story, so we're kind of done with that. But it's like one of those trades that you read, and it's kind of like, okay, it doesn't lead to the next event. This was the event, or this was the story. Like the the oath from Doctor Strange is a good example. I think not not of course related to the movie, but that kind of thing where you read it, and it's a nice story, beginning, middle, and end, and then you kind of know that the character is left to a different status quo. But it was nice to just watch it without having to like think about where where it's going to spin off to next both doctor strange and thor 4 felt like that for me which gets back to the disingenuous reviews um part of this equation they've been screaming for that one of the one of the things the 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 critics can't stand is i have to watch all these movies right there here you go and and now you have it and it's like nah, i don't know what this is anyway i still don't like this <laughs> And then they turn around like, dude, Top Gun Maverick, chef's kiss. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, really, motherfucker? <laughs> I haven't watched Top Gun Maverick, but uh, I mean, I will. I haven't either. I will. I'm sure I will love it, but yeah. it's because it's, it's the same thing. <laughs> yeah. I realize he doesn't wear spandex, but it's a superhero story. Sure. sure. I'm, I'm, sorry to, I'm sorry to explain that to everyone who doesn't know, <laughs> which is apparently everyone. <sighs> uh was it brought up Doctor Strange too? I really liked that movie. Me too. Loved it. It uh, it was very Sam Raimi, but in all the good ways. They were able to curb the excesses of Sam Raimi's filmmaking that I usually don't care for. So yeah, I, there I was really, less, I, less flesh. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, less. There still was. So it was still <laughs> Sam. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just did kinda, possess uh, his own uh, corpse. Yes. <laughs> You take the you can take the director out of Evil Dead apparently, but you can't take the Evil Dead out of the director. <laughs> no. And, and Bruce Campbell, he managed to shove him in. Of course, Pizza Papa himself. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, I really liked Wanda's heel turn. Yeah. Honestly, I I I didn't. I wasn't. That part wasn't spoiled for me going in. And I I found it really refreshing that they just kind of like didn't waste time with like. Trying to, I don't know, what blow smoke up my pants like yeah, with they it. For it. Yeah, they're like, no, no. <laughs> as soon as she, you know, said America's name without anybody telling her that, and you're like, oh crap. And then it was like, no, we're just gonna head first right into this. She's a villain. Here we go. That was so masterfully done. It's so seldom where a, a reveal like that that's meant for your film's protagonist hits the audiences in the same same manner. 
Yeah. That was a master stroke. And honestly, it made it made certain things less convoluted in, in a way that was just nice. It was just like, okay, she's going to keep trying to do these things. And the adventure is how they kind of navigate this with the crazy magic kind of going through and the multiversal element without, I don't know. I just felt like if they had thrown like, like sometimes you see like the, these, in these movies, you get like two or three villains and then they're all who's using who and get it. And it's like, no, this was pretty straightforward about, who's coming after you and she's just a relentless force and there's subplots and things going on. But in general, there was a purity to that, that I, I really enjoyed. It just kept the movie going. I think some people kind of like point out that like other, other Marvel films, just they kind of turn on a very simple, simple plot, you know, Shang-Chi for example. But I think it, it, it helps sometimes with these things because there's other reasons to keep the movie going and you don't need complicated motivations necessarily there's there's other stuff to explore and they, i think they've been doing a good job on that in phase four her motivation was completely earned as well yeah. Yeah. there there have been some people describing this almost like it's daenerys and the, the the bells that infamous episode where she just decides ah fuck everything yeah no <laughs> this was not that uh, this woman has been through all kinds of shit for seven years of films and is now experimenting with the dark arts and has lost control of that and you know, you know, she's still Wanda, though. You know, in the climax of the film, her other self, kind of like, and her kids, kind of show her. You know, finally, she's she's gone too far, and then she fixes that. And I mean, you also have examples of Doctor Strange in the, two, at minimum, in this film that didn't do what Wanda did. They completely corrupted themselves with the Darkhold. You got Eight Three Eight Strange, and you got Sinister Strange, both of whom messed things up royally and didn't turn things for the better. <laughs> and that people complain about not like, like Wanda, I don't know, like uh, it, it not making sense or, or her not really, people want to see her redeemed at the end saying that she didn't really get redeemed. Like, no, I'm pretty sure she has a very different experience with the dark hold than the other examples of the main hero of the story. Uh, I, I just, she, she did what Steven never could do. Yeah. What, what a multidimensional character in a way that's just different than the other ones that were in the same movie. I mean, she went through a lot of stuff in, and what, I agree with you. So that's what you're saying in, in the past seven plus years of movies and, and TV and a TV show. And she still did something heroic by the end that she's, she's just a, a unique character in that way. And that's great without her having to be, I don't know, like the House of M, like, oh, she's just crazy. They better put her in a, <laughs> better bottle her up and shove her away in the corner somewhere. She's not a victim here, like she right. is of her powers, like she is in the House of M. Um, if you were going to give this movie a one word theme, it's restraint. Yeah, sure. And but both our protagonists and antagonists have to learn it. And ultimately they do. And as a result, they where they start as direct adversaries, by, by the end of it, they're working together to put this thing out of the, out of the multiverse forever. And um, Wanda 616 may be gone, but I, I have a feeling, given what we, what we learned you know, at, at San Diego, that appears to be very, very temporary. Yeah. Yeah, I think that last burst of red in the, uh, when Mount Wondergore came tumbling down is uh, for sure her you know, surviving in some respect. I don't know how or, or, or where she went or, or if she's still like physically corporeal or, or something else, but I, I bet we'll see more of her. My suspicion would be that this is the end, that that's her end, 
But I think if I understand what Feige is laying out here with his multiverse saga across these, these current, this phase and the, the, the future ones, is we're building toward basically Marvel's crisis on infinite Earths. And Secret Wars here in 2026 will be the way they just cherry pick whatever they want to keep with. That I, yeah, that I, I've, I've been assuming for a while that when we come out the other end of Secret Wars, we're going to have rebooted versions of some characters that haven't been around for a while. And yeah, Feige's going to get to pick and choose, like you said, uh, what he would like to, to do. And that, that makes your, your, your Crisis on Infinite Earths statement makes sense and I, I saw some other folks positing recently that maybe in in phase five and phase six we start to see some movies set not in the 616 reality that then are kind of building towards some set of incursions where those realities kind of clash with the 616 one so that we start to see you know how they're going to be blended back into one you know universe post phase six uh, like I saw an interesting theory somebody had, and I don't know if it's true or not, but it, it makes me think, and I, I like that, uh, if maybe the fantastic four film is not set in six, one, six or a film like that. And later, later on, later phase five, late phase, early phase six, there are different realities that kind of start up some characters in there. Kind of, they have slightly different circumstances, but the, the six, one, six reality is somehow kind of impacted by the pre like the existence of this, you know, newer set of characters somehow going into those final two Avengers films of phase six. When did secret wars come out? Do you remember uh, the newer one? The most, the more recent one? No, no, no. The classic one that sold gangbusters that, that uh, basically invented the, uh, the maxi series genre as we know it. I think it predates us. Yeah. Is it late seventies, early eighties. It's pretty old. It's pretty old. Yeah. It's something but like it, that. It did gangbusters for Marvel, which is, and it, which is what led to things like Crisis and other event comics like that. The premise, as I can sort of recall it, was this thing called the Beyonder creates Battle World, and they just they just fight yep. each other. I don't remember why. <laughs> I don't remember why. <laughs> I, I guess in this version, it's going to be for the you know this is what's going to be. We'll, we'll have to save all the realities. I, I guess, I'm guessing what the premise will be. That was. I mean, I think they're going to borrow from the 2015 Secret Wars. And that, that's kind of what happened. And then Doctor Strange is already laying the groundwork for that, where too much multiversal shenanigans. I wouldn't be surprised if Kang instigates it, but if too much multiversal shenanigans creates a lot of incursions where the realities kind of collapse in on each other mm -hmm. to the point where there's, there are no realities left. And Doctor Doom, which I assume they won't do in the movie version, grabs whatever remaining fragments of different realities are left and molds them together into a, I don't remember if he calls it battle world or if he calls it something else, but it's this weird mishmash of the different universes. Doom, Doom you have. Yeah. It's something, it's like doom world or I forget, but he is God and he has, sure. I forget whose power he takes to do that. But, um, he melds, it's like basically this weird battle world situation again, but it's different pieces of different universes that have been like, shoved against each other to make different lands and then they're warring with each other and blah 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 and some people uh uh you know fight against his tyranny and then eventually uh the fantastic four and and um what's their uh what's reed and sue's uh franklin franklin mm -hmm. richards plus not the beyonder 
there's another dude that's reality warping. Like they they kind of combine a few people and like basically the Fantastic Four recreates the Marvel universe and the multiverse. Like they kind of the Fantastic Four just Again. go away. Yeah, they kind of like use the reality creation power. <laughs> to like, that's at like least this. the second time I know Franklin's done that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but he makes all of it. Like his powers combine with one or two other people. It's not just him, but um, and so yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it, conceptually there's there's the incursions piece in particular is what creates the secret wars uh, start starting point. And I wouldn't be surprised if they make Kang the reason why the, the incursions start to happen. It does seem like a, like a, a really dark version of Kang becomes your beyonder uh, figure pretty easily. Also, let's go uh, unremarked good on them for, you know, writing such a compelling story around something that was originally Royal rumble. Yeah, yeah. They just this was just them wanting to like let the characters fight (laughs) (laughs) initially, (laughs) because at the time you know the audience was was young was young uh, young white males, and they were like, yeah, this is just a way to to settle all those schoolyard arguments to actually add some gravitas to in character. That's that's pretty impressive given it's an auspicious debut. (laughs) Where did you wind up on Miss Marvel? Loved it. Yeah, loved it. It needed to be a TV show, I think, more than a movie. I think we needed to kind of get to know, uh, you know, Kamala Khan a lot more than uh, maybe other other characters, just to let the origin story take a different shape. Uh, you know, six episode TV series instead of instead of a movie. And if we're gonna if we're gonna do the origin story thing in kind of the 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 way that people say they don't want anymore, you got to do it differently. I think they. <laughs> I think they did. I think it was it had, that series had a lot of heart, um, and I enjoyed it top to bottom. I know the internet hates it too, or some portion of you know white dude internet hates it, but I think uh, a lot of people loved it too. And uh, yeah, I mean her powers are different. The but. buzz for Miss Marvel has actually been very positive that I've seen. Great, great. I I, I think um, I think there is a part where there was like the fact that it was kind of like a family comedy almost like they're like, well, what the hell are we doing here? And, and, and that's fine. That's not your thing. That's your thing. But that is kind of the correct way to go with that because it's not like the clandestines, which oh, I can't believe they showed up or <laughs> uh, <laughs> like these super compelling antagonists. <laughs> right. They were always going to ride or die with their protagonists. Yeah. Yeah. It's gotta be centered around her discovery of her powers and her origins more than, a threat like the stakes you need to kind of shift those stakes a little bit in order to kind of spend time with this character yeah i i thought they did a great job her powers are different clearly she's a mutant i guess maybe they keep doing this thing where they throw the x-men 97 theme just ever so <laughs> lightly in the background <laughs> as if no one knows what that means but of course <laughs> clearly okay i'm confused by this i'm glad you brought it up why are we calling it x-men 97 Oh, because that's the name of the the continuing uh, show that starts next year, the animated series that continues okay, the story. That's when I graduated high school. That's not when X Men. That's not came no. Out. It's like more like X Men ninety one or ninety two, right? Yes. What, what are we doing here? Like what? <laughs> I think it. I think it may have. Did it run until ninety seven? Technically, that could be right because I think it had a five year run. I think. It, I think maybe that's that. that that's. I think it's that plus the the the, the continuing. Okay, trade. so that's okay. So they're positing that if there was a season six, it would have been a ninety-seven. I, I guess. Okay. No. You'd, okay. You don't want either because this makes no sense. Okay. Fair enough. 
Because if you said the X Men theme, I, I don't know. I guess people would say he'd be X-Men like, "That's Wendy Houston. Fuck you." Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> it is. It's her baseline. <laughs> <laughs> Man, uh, I think may that's, she rest uh, in peace. Yeah, right. This mutant thing uh, seems to be. Uh, it's a slow roll, but I, I can see it. Uh, I can see them starting to, you know, sprinkle some stuff here and there. Oh yeah, well it's cool to see the Illuminati. And yeah, that let, let, let Patrick have one less roll. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's, bad. that's a bad choice of words. <laughs> I, <was gonna> say. <laughs> My, I didn't do that on purpose. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> one last run as <laughs> Charles Xavier. <laughs> Even in the classic 91 slash 97 hover chair <laughs> version. Yes, yes. I also appreciate they took a minute to do what I, to answer the question I was kind of wondering, who was the most powerful MCU character? Okay, yeah. I remember telling Iron, like, well, it's either Carol or Wanda, depending on how they want to go with this. And then they, they, let, they let them fight it out. <laughs> yeah, they just, yeah, straight up, like, here you go. <laughs> yep. Oh, I feel like, I feel like, uh, the Captain Marvel death seemed a little, a little rushed. That one, I mean, whatever. The, the way it was fun. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna nitpick. But uh, just like dropping a statue on it, really, that's gonna be enough to to do. I mean, Thanos was like throwing Infinity Stone energy at at uh, at Carol in in Endgame, and, it, and she was like shrugging it off. So I don't know. But I mean, the story had to move forward, so they got to take out the, the Illuminati. It's fine, right? They, they they needed to get the dead things back in the story. He was like, "I'm bored. These are all, these people are alive. Fuck this shit." There's too many alive people here. We gotta. <laughs> I, I want to yeah jump in your corpse and make a fashion a cloak out of zombies, I guess, or whatever the hell that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the you, you thought the cloak of the dead sounded cool. Just wait till you see it. <laughs> <laughs> right. And now he has a third eye. I don't know why, but <laughs> your guess is as good as mine. Yeah. Great. <laughs> But I mean, if Shelly Theron comes out of nowhere and is like, we have to go save the universe, I'm not going to ask any questions. <laughs> Let's do this. Let's do this. I uh, enjoyed Krasinski as Reed as well. Yeah, yeah. What is the argument against Emily Blunt as, to, as Sue? <laughs> I, I, I honestly don't know. I mean, you kind of have to do that, right? Yeah. yeah. Given that went, w- 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 since he's going to be Reed... I assume he's going to be Reed, right? They're not going to re- they're not going to recast again to do some kind of weird uh, multiversal reasoning for having a different Reed Richards in six one six or whatever the universe of the. You'd think they'd keep Krasinski. I mean, I think he's he's a great fit for the role. Yeah, as long as he's available, I just don't see anything. And I really want to see what the tone of that Fantastic Four movie is going to be. I, 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 I just, I, yeah, I wonder. I wonder. It feels really important, doesn't it, that they get that right? Yeah. It's a, it's a big part of their cosmic uh, mythos. It, it's actually kind of surprising they've gone this far without having them available. Yeah. And not have it blow up in their face. They yeah. Were, uh, thanks to Gun, they were able to successfully lean on the Guardians. Both yeah. iterations, as a matter of fact. Yes. Pierce Brosnan is Dr. Fate. Did you ever see that <laughs> coming? No, but okay, sure. Okay. <laughs> Is he going to continue to be Dr. Fate, though? Who knows? I don't know. He's, he's 70 now. That seems, <laughs> seems so likely. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how, how old our boy Remington Steele is, but I don't think he's not a... 
ain't that young anymore. I'll, I'll, I don't know. Harrison Ford is still Indiana Jones. I, what, what the hell is age yeah. anymore? Yeah. I mean, if he's all like, he puts the helmet on, you can't even see his face in there. Whatevs. Like, he can, he can, uh, he can do the, the in-person acting and then all the action can just be, you know, whatever. CGI, stunt double. And the DC stuff, it's cool that they're, they're that, you know, Shazam's getting a sequel. I think Black Adam, it's interesting that they're going to try to do this. I, I've, I, your guess is good as mine of like, are they really going to try to make it something or is it a one-off? I mean, who knows? I guess we'll see when it comes out and we can watch it, but there's a certain amount of reduction in the, in the excitement as a fan that I get with the, the DC side of things, just because you see what Marvel's doing and it's just, the connection is not there. It's hard to understand what their plan is. So you can't get excited about how many more heroes are going to pop up. It's just kind of a disjoint. The message, I guess is what I'm trying to say is not there and not a coherent. You don't get a coherent message or throughout of like, okay, you see Black Adam and you see Shazam and you saw Batman last year. So your, your other heroes are on the way or there's a plan that's going to put them into place. You just don't get that with DCs. You just don't know like, okay, are we going to get another, like we have three Batman now. You got Michael Keaton in some movies. You got Ben Affleck apparently coming back for Aquaman two. You got, you, you know, you got the, the Matt Reeves version we just had. So like, yes, you heard that right. Ben Batfleck is back in Aquaman two. <laughs> <laughs> that that flight never left. That yeah, and so it's although like, well, what, what? in fairness, I, I think hasn't that hasn't that also been in filming forever because everyone involved has either been dying to dodge COVID or been in a protracted legal battle. <laughs> yeah, may, maybe. Or, <laughs> just, yeah, it's just like you. Okay, so we're it's, it's just as a fan. There's no man behind the curtain. Yes, you're right. Or and the people and, or the and the men they've tried to put behind the curtain have have failed and quit or actively fired. hate the characters. Yeah, yeah or that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just uh, and I know that people were upset that uh, Henry Cavill didn't show up at Comic Con and all that kind of stuff. But I think it, it look it's there was a Warhammer Con that weekend. He had to go to. <laughs> it just it's broadened. I think the conversation around like really you still don't have a Superman movie. How do we not have? And this goes back to my pet peeve of like. Uh, there's some characters that are like so great. Like, why don't we have a billion more movies? Like the whole, my whole Indiana Jones shtick of like, why, why are we taking so long to just have five when we should have had Indiana Jones 15 now? It's the same, but it's the same thing. I think it kind of, it resonates with the, well, Marvel has 25 movies. Um, why, why can't these other uh, franchises, uh, you know, proliferate these ways with, with great characters, iconic characters, storied histories, the comic book stories are there. They're different kinds of characters. They have a different ethos behind them than Marvel does, but like they should be able to expand on this stuff. It's just there's like you said, Cyrus is no man behind the curtain or, or woman. Uh, and it just it's it's hard to have faith that they're gonna come out with stuff. Like Oh, oh mine's completely shot. Uh Keyshawn spent last episode talking me off the ledge. I think what I'm going to have to come to grips with is Marvel Studios is going to be a unicorn. No one, else, so. no one else is going to crack this formula. Um, and I, I had this realization when I was editing that episode that uh, Lucasfilm really is just following this Warner Brothers thing. Where the, the IPs are, are just because no one's conducting the symphony. 
I'm going to have to make my peace with the fact that some of the projects are going to be good and some of them are going to be awful. Yeah. And you're just going to have to cherry pick with, you know, the things you like and hold on to those, but it's so, but, but then I think I, I see kind of this expectation at these cons and stuff and in the media around them and stuff of like, well, let's get hyped. Let's get hyped. You know, the, the next gen, the next, this we're gonna rock the DC universe with this, and it's like, well, are you, or am I even you gonna like this are. thing? <laughs> like, yeah, like you're gonna have to make a different kind of argument because uh, there's really no DC connected universe. There's some Snyder films, and then there's a bunch of other constellation, you know, Joker, Batman, uh, the, you know, Wonder Woman over here, kind of connected, kind of not, and it, it, you know, just you're gonna have to make a different case for me about why why I should be excited for this movie. <laughs> Are you old enough to remember the uh, the odd numbered curse in Star Trek? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There, there, there used to be a thing that that, that the uh, the fans had kind of invented to explain the, that uh, every other Star Trek film was garbage. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that's where we're, we're winding up with most of these uh, these genre film studios. Is it's just kind of all over the damn place? And it doesn't have to be, but. And I mean, it's, I don't think that Marvel has some kind of secret sauce their coke formula that they won't let out of the vaults like it's right out in the open what they make how things connect like the value is not the stars necessarily or the directors it's the it's just the way they approach the 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 set of characters maybe that's it maybe they just they're viewing things as a more connected whole than let's prop up these tent poles and see what kind of you know comes of it uh maybe that's part of it just the way kevin feige approaches it. i don't know i can't i'm not in the man's head but it seems like that's part of it but you'd think that somewhere around the the periphery somebody would be doing this with a different uh set of ip for the most part feige uh seems to understand what the different properties slash characters can how much weight they can carry like there's a reason Miss Marvel is not a film. Yeah. Uh, there's a reason Avengers are films, and they're $2 billion or whatever godly sum it is to get one of those things made, Endeavors, because they need to be. Uh, and, and they had some misfires. I, I would argue, for example, Loki probably need, could have been a movie and would have been better mm-hmm. for it because it, it's got a lot of bloat. Sure, sure. You make that, you make that into our film, I think you have a much stronger product. Black Widow, as we've said before, should have been a, a more straight-up espionage thing rather than this weird family, <laughs> broken if family they had, thing and, they went with. Yeah. And if they, had, if they had done it, you know, five, six years ago, it would have been uh, even better, I think, uh, in terms of its position right. and what it could have worked with. And Which is funny. I think even they realized it because they tried to set it in that time frame. Yeah. They went backwards. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, if only you had just done this where it was, where it was meant to go. Yeah. You know, imagine coming off the hype of Civil War and, like, wanting to see what happens next and Black Widow painting that picture for you. If the thing that's supposed to come next came next, you mean? <laughs> yes, yes. And they had and they had, you know, they had different material to play with at that stage in time. Yeah, but and they they generally get it right. Yeah. And again, they're they're learning as they go, right? It's not like they have a playbook that like somebody had done this before. They certainly don't have a Star Wars or a Indiana Jones, you know, 20 plus film franchise to like crib notes off of so well, i think lucasfilm guys. actually is the closest proxy to what they were doing sure sure and that thing had lots of missteps yeah so okay you know, you know, 
yeah, I'm just going to have to make my peace with the fact that that's just, this is as much as I'm going to get as far as these super built out uh, cinematic universes. Because they've tried. A number of studios, the, the, hand, the ones that exist, have, have tried some iteration of this, and they've just mostly failed spectacularly. Yeah. And not everything is meant to be a TV and film multimedia franchise like this. Like, like the mummy. Sure, for example. <laughs> and, you know, I bet they could have made it work somehow if they didn't, like, try so hard uh you know, to try to like throw the scaffolding on it so fast. Like I think they, they maybe could have if, if they had played with it for a bit, but they're just too trying to, you know, jump too many steps ahead of the process. You know, I, I I'm, I'm slowly cause there was a, there was a prime day deal for a uh, paramount plus, uh, uh-huh. uh, back uh, earlier in the month. So I got like, like a dollar a month for, for a couple months. So I'm catching up on some star Trek and, uh, Oh yeah, I was about to go there because I was about to say if you're gonna pick a number two in this race, I think it's Trek. Yeah, and noticeably, there's no movies, or there haven't been any movies in a while. Trek is for TV. It's kind of built that way. It was always designed that way. Gene Roddenberry designed it that way, I think. And so they have a lot of Trek shows. Like I haven't even started Picard. I was catching up on Discovery uh, season four at first, and now I'm watching Strange New Worlds, and I got the oh, card on so deck. Oh, it's so good! Yeah, it's like this is this is great, and they're different timelines, and they're different characters. There's animated stuff too that I haven't even dug into. There's Star Trek Prodigy, Star Trek Lower Decks. Like, there's like literally like three or four shows going on in parallel at the Star Trek into things, and they all fit slightly different niches and are set in slightly different periods of time and it works like i don't see a lot of griping and complaining and i'm enjoying what i'm watching i think paramount plus has become synonymous with star trek i think that's why it exists it's just it's just star trek pay-per-view at this point yeah i think you're right and i guess champions league in the winter <laughs> yeah they, they had this uh i watched the first episode because it was free a while back uh they're they're making a show out of the the halo uh game series yes um, so that, that they got Which Halo, I, don't I guess. I think anyone's watching. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, 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 I have yet to, to go back and, and take a look uh, at the rest of it, but I like what I saw as a starter, as a starting point. Uh, but I'm, I'm here mostly to catch up on Trek. And yeah, I think like that's, yeah, back to your point. Like it's, it's, it's probably another, it's probably the best next example of a multi show or multi work universe that's kind of all still at least attempting to be consistent with each other with a successful multimedia franchise yeah but they're not kicking out a bunch of movies like the the it's all about exploration and character studies and thing it's just it's just different and okay so they're leaning into it in the right way i think when does discovery get good i guess it depends on what you're looking to get out of discovery um i approached it as i didn't know what this was going to be and i didn't want it to be another next generation uh, or, or or Voyager or Deep Space Nine type show. I was just kind of like, well, I don't know what this, how we're going to go with this. Uh, I think it 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 was pretty radically different from the get go, and I think that mm-hmm. ticked a lot of people off. <laughs> and I think they they kind of again like trying new things. First new Trek show in a long time. Tried some new stuff out. What worked? What didn't work? What did they really want to do with the story as well? Which I think they kind of after the first two really long episodes, there's like a time jump and then they kind of 
set a actual status quo, which didn't wasn't I think immediately apparent from that first episode in particular. That was like a almost feature length. I started to really enjoy it as you kind of realize like the main character is not the captain, and it, they're just they're not going to do that to you. And and so it was just kind of this wild ride. I think it really starts to get interesting from the from the get-go uh, of a new story start in season two. I mean, even season one, I think, had had uh, interesting things to, to kind of play around with, but it doesn't fit the formula. It doesn't fit the formula until season four of your main character is a captain, uh, and there's there's kind of stuff... I didn't realize it was of, four seasons yet. It, for, season four just concluded uh, earlier this year. And it's... They, they, they make... At, at the end of season two, they they kind of do almost a soft reboot of the show. In, uh, I, I would say in its circumstances of the story, but not of the characters themselves. The character story continues. They kind of separate it out from the rest of the shows in a way that's, I think, and it starts to fit more of a classic mold. But even then, Discovery is the kind of show where like, there is an overarching plot to the whole season. Each season has a, a plot that it's going to follow. And it's just it's just different, but it's refreshing in that way. And I think people maybe they wanted something else. And if, go to I'm Picard, okay go to Strange New Worlds. I'm all right with the overarching narrative because you know Picard has, has that as well. Sure. Yeah, I, yeah, there definitely was part of the fandom that was yearning for a return to episodic storytelling, and Strange New Worlds does reward that. Although it's it's got an, it's got an it's got an art plot as well. It it does. It, I mean, I think you can't ignore it, right? It's it's 2022. It's not uh, it's not the 90s. <laughs> in the 80s no, anymore 60s you know yeah. it's just you're gonna have to have some of that people will come to these to the works of stuff like this for that but how heavily it, it, you know it, it factors into the overalls you know story week to week or episode to episode seems to vary quite a bit from show to show i agree picard is definitely like more in the one narrative it's kind of story we're just going to follow discovery is just very much that and very much kind of uh well know, my visceral first- reaction was that it wasn't, um, it didn't feel like sci-fi. Uh. And I was like, wait, you're doing, you're having a mind meld across light years of distance. That's not a real thing. What are we talking about here? <laughs> and, but the internet seems to agree that discovery starts off crappy, but becomes extremely good. And I'm trying to figure out how long I have to, you know, bite down on a piece of leather and push through <laughs> to get to the good stuff. Because I, I, the internet, as we've discussed before, also would have me believe Tiger King was worthwhile. <laughs> sure. <laughs> the, and that was the, horseshit. Yeah. The, uh, the Mirror Universe plot, which is part of season one in the, in the later on part of season one, I think is really, really uh, interesting and kind of the lead up to that. I, I just think the first, the first two to four episodes of that first season, it's a little disorienting just because, especially with that time jump, I, I guess they just needed to kind of like almost give you like a prequel before you got the, the story of the season. But I, I've, I just enjoyed it the, the whole time. Uh, and the, the mirror universe being able to play in that and not a hokey sixties way <laughs> where everybody just had a goatee. And that was like the, the That's thing. They were evil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and honestly, I think that happens a lot uh, in not in, in not just Discovery, but in Strange New Worlds, where they kind of revisit some of the plots from the original series and just revamp them a little bit without like having to redo them. Like they 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 do kind of a prequels Clone Wars 
thing where they kind of like it is both a prequel and a soft reboot at the same time which i really appreciated um and maybe this is just the zeitgeist of doom that we're living through right now but then needing needing to move the eugenics wars from the 20th century into the 21st century before we get our happy star trek future unfortunately it does kind of feel like that's where we're going culturally yeah and because a, a, a lot of where this rage is coming is people like I people need to be like me or else, <laughs> and I think a lot of that stuff is coming coming to the forefront politically right now, which is very very scary. And I, yeah. I'm glad Trek Trek is tapping into that, and actually in some ways just honoring its its uh, its fictional roots. Yeah. And I think something that Discovery does well, and I think learned early on that it needed to address more. Uh, after kind of some of the criticisms of season one in particular, and a little bit of season two. Um, and that Strange New Worlds also does well. It's like those elements show up in the story because it's reacting to our present day, but then it shows the Gene Roddenberry side of, well, well the ideal, though, is the Federation. The ideal is we don't solve our problems with violence. The ideal is we come together and we talk about it. Diplomacy, understanding, science, those are the things that connect us. And if we focus on those things, we get better outcomes. And I think that's great. That's what's, that's how like Star Trek needs to be. That's what it kind of was meant to be. Right. Strange New Worlds is art plot is actually an examination of that very theme. We're going to have to revisit this once you finish it. Okay. I'm I'm very interested to see how, yeah, you're going to be, you're going to have a lot to chew on with that, uh, that season finale. Okay, cool. But I think in general, you see that across, across the board with Star Trek. It's, it's, is trying to wrestle with these themes while also being fun, while also having the kind of character uh, structures and, and, and episode structures that you want from Trek. And I think they're doing a great job, but it's, I don't see how you do it in a movie. Like, well, like, like an even numbered. <laughs> Star Trek movie. <laughs> oh, shit. I just realized though, this is an odd number episode of the podcast. Fuck. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, clearly it could be done. You get your Wrath of Khan and you get your stuff like that. But at the same time, like it's, uh, there's, there's kind of just, uh, more variability in the quality there versus what it was designed to do. And I, I don't know that I'm trying to, have you watched that recently? Wrath of Khan? Yeah. No, I haven't in maybe a couple of years. It's so good. I believe it. It is such a good movie. It holds up so well. I, mean, I guess it does have more action than a typical Trek story. Not not a whole lot, though. No, not yeah. But it 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 just it had a lot to say about those characters. Yeah, and honestly, I think going back to Marvel, like, yeah, they're not all deep philosophical questions, but every movie has something to say about the characters. It's the characters that come in and then speak to some larger narrative. We we're just talking about how Doctor Strange and Wanda's arc there. Like that's what you're coming for, and you're and you're seeing how Stephen Strange kind of reacts to his own circumstances. And honestly, I think something folks maybe are missing a little bit about Phase Four, if I can tie this all the way back, is in my mind, Phase Four is not only the beginning of the multiverse saga; it's also the echoes of everything that happened after Endgame. So that people have got to like, there's mourning involved in Endgame. There's for, for kind of coming out the out out of it. Um, there's a new world status in new world order not to borrow the title of the next captain america movie but uh you know there's there's a lot of suffering and and stress and things that happened at the end of that that phase four has to kind of 
Half the universe was dead for five years. Yeah. Unless so, we, we forget that, right? Yeah. So you get the, the political stuff involved with that. You get people who you know, were dusted like Wanda and then came back and all their old traumas are still there and they've got to deal with that in this new world mapped on, on, on top of uh, their, their own personal circumstances. You get, uh, you get the whole eternal story where like, well, a bunch of people showed up and that's going to birth an eternal a lot faster. That was at the core of the earth. And kind of, there's all these other reactions kind of like are echoes of end game. Plus you got to boot in the, the multiversal stuff. There's a lot to say in phase four, really, <laughs> in addition to the individual character work. Uh, I think characters on top of all that. Yeah, yeah. That's a lot of work to put in, in whatever, however many films we've had in phase four already. Eleven? Something like that? Seven of them. Seven, okay, seven. And, uh, the, and that, that'll, that'll include the final one that hasn't come out yet, Wakanda Forever. Which also is... Dealing with I loss. Mean, dealing with loss in, 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 a, in, a, in a way that's different than the others. Also having to set a new status quo for Wakanda uh, as part of that. And introducing Namor <laughs> and Atlantis. That's, that's huge. Huge. I think folks are going to look at Marvel at, asked a filmmaker to juggle that many planes, we got Age of Ultron. <laughs> yeah. I think Coogler's up to the task, given what I saw in Black Panther. But boy, it's going to be a monumental ask. If he doesn't hit it, I'm not going to hold it against him. <laughs> and, and, and it's another one of these things. Like, we should be excited, but also like be willing to have a space for, well... Some stuff's going to work. Some stuff might not work. And it's going to be okay. They get asked a lot to do a lot. Some of which they couldn't even control because the star of that entire franchise passed away. But I, I think folks are going to look at Phase 4. By the time we're in Phase 6, people are going to be looking at Phase 4 in a very different way. More positively, you think? I think so. More positively, maybe some stuff in hindsight they'll say, like, you know, oh, you know, haha, we didn't see, we didn't get Eternals 3 or something. But, uh, you know... It, it'll be a mix, but it'll be a more positive mix. I hope so. I, I think it has had more hits than misses, and I, 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 I guess what I'm, what I would want to try to articulate here is I think even the misses haven't been that bad, generally speaking. I agree. I, I've had fun in every single one. I mean, I'm a fan, so I'm, I, I generally just like the stuff overall. In, in, in my opinion, Marvel hasn't made a bad movie yet. A movie where I just like. Officially in the MCU, like I can't watch this. I, I'm not there yet, <laughs> personally. Sure, I have things that I could criticize on, on virtually every movie that in the MCU, but uh, I enjoy every single one of them. I've I've watched every single one of them multiple times. Yeah, I, I'm excited. Love and Thunder is a comedy, and it's, I, I think that's I think that yeah. works really well because those characters are kind of goofy to begin with. And you've got this guy who's pretty good at comedic acting in Chris Hemsworth, even though I know he had like the biceps to be, you know, a pinup, right? But, uh, yeah. but you know, he's, he, he's got the skill to do both. And apparently a bunch of Nat Geo documentaries as well. Oh, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Dude, I can't throw a rock without hitting that guy in the face. <laughs> he's become the new Dwayne Johnson. He's everywhere. Great. Down to, down to the steroid usage. <laughs> By the yeah. way, Anson Mount, Dwayne Johnson, same age. <laughs> Really? Yes. Jesus. Very different muscle mass differences, though. Yeah. And it ain't TB12. I'm just going to put that out uh, there. That's not, uh, that's not <laughs> the, whatever, the rock uh, smoothies or whatever that he's peddling. That's, that's making up that difference? Mm-mm. No. <laughs> <laughs> Although Anson Mount, incredible hair. 
Yeah. I'm like, I don't, I would believe it was, if you told me it was a CGI effect, I'd believe you. I bet so. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's amazing. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Guys got good hair. All right. Well, before we get out of here, let's, let's do our, uh, let's do the, the fun prediction part. Like, so there's a lot of holes in that, uh, that phase five, six map that made the rounds a couple weeks ago. Yeah. What are, what are the holding back? You think it's gotta be more Disney plus stuff. I just, I feel like, well, I, I know for a fact that they got a Halloween special that has yet to have like a, an official title. Uh, some people are saying it's werewolf by night. Other people are saying it might be some other, some other title, but that's for sure being held back. I know. I think it's almost in the can. It's about to come out this Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> so that's being held back. I I imagine they have to have more info about future seasons or lack thereof for uh stuff like Moon Knight and Hawkeye. Uh and that's just the low-hanging fruit stuff like you know they're going to have they need follow up need to follow up on in some some way shape or form. Who knows what other kind of surprises are in there. Yeah, I think it's probable they're mostly sequels. I cuz we we know there's an Eternals 2 coming. Unless they've changed their mind. Yeah. Shang-Chi has uh, to get a sequel. One would think. They, they seem like they, uh, they were serving a... They were definitely serving an underserved audience there with that one. God knows what the hell the plot would be. I don't but know. Wong, seem, Wong seems to be the only guy in the know, which is interesting. Yeah, Wong's everywhere, too. He's in She-Hulk showing yeah. up so, soon, too. That guy's everywhere now. That's great. I'm, I'm real excited for that show. Yeah, me too. I, I really am. I guess the, it's the X-Men that are looming large over all this. How you fit them in. How you reverse engineer them in, as it, as it were. Yeah. I keep feeling like Secret Wars has to happen first, and then whatever Universal reboot, they, they really lean heavily into it. And maybe they, they, they feed in a couple of key mutants, like a Miss Marvel, like a Namor, kind of here and there. But there's, there's not kind of this you know, large group of them just yet until after secret wars that feels so far away it, it does 2025 Can, isn't it 2026 i mean I, yeah i guess it would right? be it would be 2026 with the so secret wars is 2025 but like late summer. november yeah yeah Cause, maybe cause november they, they, yeah. they're dropping both avengers 4 and 5 get dropped in the same year yeah so maybe it is november, although so. they're still going to change that that's what they did. Didn't they do that for uh, yes. Endgame and Infinity? Okay. Precisely. There's not a lot of time. I mean, this, they, they got three, they got less than three years to put it out, let alone like uh, film it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just, yeah, seems pretty ambitious, but hey, you know, okay. Shoot your shot, Marvel. I'm just glad they got, as I said, I'm glad they got Patrick Stewart back for one more turn at the character. Yeah. Because he, he kind of was always the best cast for that. I, I don't. Yeah, yeah. I guess the fan man, the X Men fan casting is going to start in earnest here pretty soon, and I'll be curious to see. I, it's probably going to be a lot of unknowns or barely knowns because they're 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 going to want to go young if they do it right. Yeah, they're going to want to milk that part of the franchise for a long time, long time. Yeah, and it'll be easy to do so. That that carried the comic book publishing line for two decades, easy. Yeah. And they just rebooted X-Men. The whole status quo of the whole X side of the Marvel Universe and the comic side and have kind of reinterpreted certain characters in ways like 
there's a very fertile ground if you want to go classic or you want to blend in some of the newer versions of things uh, into some of these characters. Like there's there's so much they could do. Yeah, Fox was able to do a whole twenty year run with them as well. I mean, yeah. the, the quality was all over the damn place, but there was enough material for them to work from. Yeah. How many more Dark Phoenix reboots can we do? I mean, we could probably. I, I need at least one more. That's <laughs> right. And, and I, I, I want them to all be the same, just like before. <laughs> all written by Simon Kinsberg. Make that happen, Marvel. <laughs> just, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I really hope that with Werewolf by Night, uh, whatever that Halloween special ends up becoming, I hope they find a way to take that plus Blade plus uh, maybe some of the kind of for horror mystical aspects of Moon Knight uh, and, and Doctor Strange and maybe not have involved Doctor Strange directly, but find a way to make Midnight Suns a thing. I think having a spooky hero show that regularly comes out uh, around Halloween time every year, every other year would just be really cool and a different thing. Get Ghost Rider in there. You know, put those that that side of the of the Marvel universe out. Uh, uh, I think that'd be really cool. Ghost Rider would make a good television show. Yeah, keep it on Disney Plus. No need to. The premise is very episodic. If you want to go that way. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like uh, an Angel or a Buffy type show, but with Marvel heroes. And, well, it's and, their version and, of Inspector. Yeah, sure. You just you can have to ride a motorcycle. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think it'd be cool to have have all those. Uh, they they have like uh, you know, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, John Snow for, uh, at the end of Eternals, having the ebony yeah, blade yeah. and all that related. There's there's a lot. I, I feel like they're spooling up some kind of thread with a slightly spookier side of things. Uh, you know, keep it going. Don't just make it a Halloween special. Let's 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 make this into something that that can be kind of cool. So you you'd like to see that franchised. Yeah, I'd like to see that. I'd like to see them expand on those concepts and have, uh, you know, Blade, of course, going to have the movie. So, like, they're they're definitely going to like build out some kind of. I, I, I just like you're not going to see Blade hanging out with, uh, I don't know, Captain America or, <laughs> or, 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 or uh, you know, it's it's he's going to have his own little sub sub world, right? Sub bubble of kind of uh, more uh, occult well, things. Well, I see. I feel don't maybe yeah, this is just a fever dream or a bad uh, drug reaction. But I swear to God, Blade was in a, an episode or a uh, run of the Ultimates. Yeah, he was. Yeah, because when vampires took over the world or something. It, sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that was one of the late later Ultimates, like Ultimates three or four. After they just didn't give a shit anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I, I just, I feel like that's like a. That's like putting Spider-Man in like cosmic stuff. Like you do it occasionally, but you kind of don't, they don't like traditionally live in that mm-hmm. realm. Like you, you kind of like, you want, you want blade fighting vampires and kind of this more occult thing kind of on the, in the, in the underbelly of society somehow. Um, and I'd love to see other characters kind of have magic and other things as part of the underbelly of society in this kind of sub street level. Urban fantasy is a very popular genre in novels. <laughs> yeah. So let's right. So, Play in there, Marvel. Go for it. Did see it. I I really curious to see what those Avengers rosters are going to look like. <laughs> yeah, 
I, I, we're all, I think we're almost getting like a team of Marvel Captain Marvel characters in, the, in their own right. True. I mean, we've, we've got three actresses with fairly important characters now tied to that movie. But maybe they'll just take over for the Guardians who are about to be kind of retired. Perhaps. It just speaks to like the aspect of the way these characters kind of overlap and don't, that you can develop them and have their own stories and like maybe one could take over for another or you can have mantles pass back and forth. Maybe not. Maybe something new happens, but it's fun that like that it's not predictable in a sense. Like there's a lot of different ways this could go and it'll all be cool and fun. And it, they're probably not going to do something so stupid. Like, you know, that that's so out of character for, for one of the characters. You can see just how they have a lot of these options to, to play with story wise. Uh, it's, it's super cool. It's one of the, my favorite things about all this. Like, you got these three uh, heroes, these actresses that are that can handle their, their own series in their own right if they want, or, or if that's what they want want, want their character where, where they want to move their character. Uh, but they can also team up and do things, and just uh, I, I've, it very much feels like we there's so much, so many seeds planted here in, in Phase Four and and beyond, like. Despite all the announcements we saw, we really don't know the composition of these teams. Like, I think maybe the one team that we kind of starting to see more concretely how who who might be involved is Thunderbolts. Yeah. But beyond that, I, do your guess is as good as mine. Other than right. Cap, Captain America, uh, Sam Wilson, Captain America. Like, uh, I couldn't tell you who's going to be an Avenger in Kang Dynasty. <laughs> An, an actual yeah, Avenger. It, it, it almost feels like Sam has got to be that ant there, or they yeah. did something wrong. Yeah, but like, who is an, a legit Avenger? Like with the card that has the A on it, versus like gets dubbed half, an Avenger halfway through, versus you know operating on the periphery of the whole story, getting ready for right. see. Who knows? Yeah, to that point, yeah, you're right. The Thunderbolts do kind of have a. We're seeing, we're seeing the beginnings of the roster there. What's gonna be really interesting is uh, who ends up being the. the uh, the field leader. Yes. Because there's a number of candidates that I think will, would work and or be available in terms of, you know, just act, actors. So it's really going to be how they, what they want to do with it. And that, that's, a, that's how it's had a lot of different iterations. Yeah. And how do those characters, like, they don't just, they're just not going to, again, it's one of those, like, if DC were doing a Thunderbolts movie or like what they did, a, they did two Suicide Squad movies. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't feel like like I, it's just okay. It's a one-off. You do the Thunderbolts. Okay, that's interesting. But that's not going to be the case here, right? They're gonna they're gonna do Thunderbolts, and that team's gonna mean something beyond whatever happens in that movie. Where are they gonna show up? How's that gonna work? Are some of them gonna be Avengers ultimately anyway, or or pave the way for some Avengers type characters to show up? Are they gonna be villains later on? No, it's it's they they could go a lot of different ways with that and not be wrong. Yeah, it's a very malleable property in that way. Yeah, I just know that and get excited about the fact that like I see that at the end of Phase Five, and you could think of it as like, all right, that's interesting—a team of not so heroic heroes that you know that'll be cool. But no, like this is Marvel we're talking about. It's not just that. It's not just Suicide Suicide Squad, and then that's the end of the movie. Like. They they put those they put these things there for for a larger purpose too. So what does that really mean? Because we don't really know. I don't think I don't think it's like clear where those connections are going to pop up in phase six. 
it's it's a saga. It will have a, a greater arc narrative, and the layout would suggest that there's some kind of disaster in four again. And Thunderbolt sits between four and five, unless I'm mis- unless I'm misremembering. Oh, you mean you mean between five that, and six, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait, no. Is it is it Avengers five and six? Oh, I thought you were talking about phases. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, no, we'd be in phase six by that point, I believe. Yeah. So, yeah. That would almost certainly impact what, what that movie's going to be. And I, I don't know. Yeah. It's just... Exciting. <laughs> it's just going to be a lot of Jonathan Majors. That's the only thing I... <laughs> I, <laughs> I really do think I'm going to be sick of that guy in like a way that I'm sick of The Rock and Cameron Chris Hemsworth in two years. <laughs> Really? He's on Shark Week now? Okay, fine. Let's just do sure, this. Sure. I don't know how what that muscle mass does for your This buoyancy. is why he's he who remains. I can't get rid of him. <laughs> they told us up front. We just didn't get it. <laughs> All right. Well, Ariel Rodriguez of Austin, Texas, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, sir. It's a blast. Yeah. Oh, it, it always is. Even when I'm just sweating profusely. <laughs> um, the ice is not half melted for those of you <laughs> wondering at home. It is cold nothing. <laughs> <laughs> that was apparently a lie. Uh, but I've been Cyrus Morozavi. I have not been a lie. And this has been Full of Sun and Fury. This episode and previous episodes of Full of Sun and Fury Podcast are available at fullofsoundandfurypodcast.com or by subscription at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. This has been a great source for this production. Copyright 2022. <laughs>